0: Welcome to the Frame of Reference podcast. This episode's theme is mental health, and I count myself lucky when I get to have these conversations with like-minded people around such an important topic. Bianca Thomas is my latest guest, and she's a clinical mental health counselor specializing in CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. She's a success coach, the co-host of the Evolve Ventures podcast, which aims to help people make better decisions and ultimately be better people. Bianca shares a very personal and inspiring story of how self-realization, self-actualization, and ultimately self-love is an important facet of being a mature adult in today's day and age. She's a gay Middle Eastern woman who's overcome a lot of obstacles to get to where she is. And now she has an extensive background in helping others understand and embrace their own identity. And you know, we talked about various topics related to that mostly accepting one's own culture growing up and focusing on self-love healthy skepticisms in life and how to challenge that inner critic and inner voice we all have to focus on constructive thoughts and actions i really enjoyed this podcast and uh, i hope you do too without further ado here's bianca
1: Well, hello, Bianca. How's it going?
2: I'm doing excellent. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. So thanks again so much for uh, being a part of the Frame of Reference podcast. Uh, So, you know, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. You're encouraging a lot of self-love. June, as of the time of recording, is Pride Month. So uh, it's very important to, to spread that message. So how, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on and um, how you got into the path of self love?
2: Absolutely. So, to dive a little bit into my backstory, and then that'll lead into what I'm currently doing. So, I, I talk about my story um, a lot, but I, I grew up as a kid who felt desperately not good enough. And just not loved at all. And I was always like in competition with my older brother, who I just believed everyone cared about more. I believed they loved him more than me. And from a very young age, I developed a lot of mental health challenges. So at a very young age, I started ripping my hair out. I started self-harming at a young age and my parents had no idea what was going on or how to, how to deal with it. Because I grew up in a traditionally, um, middle Eastern family and mental health isn't really a thing that they talk about. It's not a thing that they, they know how to deal with. And it's just, it's very taboo. Like you don't talk about it. So I grew up, like I said, just not feeling good enough, genuinely hating myself from a very young age and from a very young age, believing that I would be better off dead. Um, thankfully, I never attempted to take my own life, but you know, I the self-harm was definitely there. And so growing up, this only worsened and it progressively got worse and worse as I got older. Um, I became a very violent kid. I was very outwardly aggressive towards my older brother, my younger sister, family, relatives. I was physically violent, verbally violent. Like I was just a really aggressive kid. And thankfully, as I got older, that diminished, but that self-hatred and that self-harming and that really internalization of everything that I was feeling, it just, it expanded and not feeling loved by my family and not feeling loved and cared for by anyone around me. I did the thing that I thought at 16 years old was going to get me love, which was jumping into a relationship. And again, growing up in a Middle Eastern household, you don't date. It's not a thing you're allowed to do. I grew up my entire childhood being told you're not going to date. That's not for you, girls who date are this, and so on and so forth. Just a lot of slander and shaming and whatnot. So being sixteen, having never been in a relationship, not knowing what an adaptive relationship looks like, and that rebellious nature in me of like, I'm gonna get into a relationship regardless, I jump into a relationship with someone who six days in tells me they love me after meeting me six days later, which now being 27, I'm like, Oh my God, that's such a red flag. It's not even funny. But at that age, I'm like, Oh my God, someone loves me. So like someone loves me. And What I now understand is that that person also had a lot of severe mental health challenges. And I ended up being in that relationship for four years, being mentally, emotionally and sexually abused and threatened with physical abuse and blackmail and shaming and fear tactics and manipulation to keep me to stay, um, So I'm in that relationship for four years. I'm 20 years old and I finally get out of it. But I'm even more lost at this point than than ever before. And I was in school studying psychology too. So I was getting my bachelor's at the time, but I had no idea who I was, no idea what life was supposed to be. Being in that relationship caused a lot of turmoil with my family. I was kicked out multiple times. I left multiple times fighting with my parents and whatnot. It was just a really hectic situation. So I'm finally, I get out of it and I'm like, I have no idea who I am. And I think I'm gay. I think I'm bisexual because I'm starting to have these feelings for women and I'm confused. And I'm like, well, am I just feeling this way? Because I was with this person who was abusing me. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So I go through this This phase, I guess, of trying to figure out who I am. And again, not knowing any better, I'm going to figure out who I am through dating multiple people to try to find someone to finally love me or to find myself. So now not only am I dating men, but I'm trying to date women as well. So I'm going back and forth in and out of these relationships, dating people, this person, that person, whatever, completely lost. And like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing in life, but the only consistent thing that I had going for me and the genuinely, like the only good thing that came out of that relationship was a intense passion for the gym and for working out. So like when I was a kid, I was always in sports. I did karate, which I was, I excelled at, like, I could have been like a, I could have like been like world-class at, it had I stuck with it but the place closed and we didn't find anywhere to like continue so I ended up getting out of it but so I was always interested in sports always interested in stuff like that and so in that relationship I got introduced to the gym and to working out so that was like the only thing actually going for me at that point aside from like I was doing well in school but again, middle Eastern, like you do well in school and that's it. Like you're, that's your job. So <laughs> I'm at the gym. I think I was, I think I was 23 at the time. So this is like three years later of me going through this mess of trying to like figure my life out. And I'm there and this guy comes up to me. And he, we start making conversation, whatever I'm annoyed. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to work out. Like, I don't want to be hit on right now, but he ends up asking me out. And I was doing powerlifting at the time. And he's like, what do powerlifters eat? Like, I'm like, what a terrible pickup line, but all right, let's roll with it. So I'm like, not salad. I'm not that type of girl. Like, if you want to take me out, I want steak and I want pasta. And he's like, beautiful. So we go on a date, horrible, horrible date. I was lost and I was like mean to him. And I, looking back, I just, oh my God, I was so lost at that time, but ends up becoming one of my greatest friends. So we become incredibly close. He becomes an extraordinary friend of mine and he introduces me to personal development. Now I'm still in school at this point for psychology, so I'm like personal developments baloney it's b s it's these people like preaching all the time, saying the same repetitive thing over and over again that doesn't work. He's like, "B, do me a favor, all right, stop talking and just listen to this video and I'm like, all right, fine, whatever." I listen to the video. the first one he shows me is Tony Robbins, and I hear this video and I don't know why, but something just clicked. And I'm like, oh my God, this is everything that I've been like looking for. The message that he's saying and the way that he's saying it, you know, you can change your life. And it's not just this positive self talk BS that's all over the place. It's like there's real tangible tools that you can use. So, start learning more about personal development and Kevin, that's his name, Kevin. He introduces me to his business partner at the time named Alan. So they have a podcast that they do together. And it's all at the time it was called the Hyperconscious podcast. It was all about self-improvement, personal development, whatever. So Alan and I become incredibly close. He becomes a mentor of mine. Kevin is still mentoring me at the time. And they were the first people to ever, that I ever felt actually saw me. It was like the first time I ever actually felt seen. Now, Kevin was growing up, like he did fighting sports and whatever too. And he was involved in Muay Thai. So he introduces me to Muay Thai and he's like, there's a Muay Thai gym near where you live, like you should go try it out. So I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. Why not? So I go and I'm there and I see this girl walk in and she's like gorgeous and a savage. Like I've never seen a girl who could fight like she did. So we get paired up together and she throws me around like a rag doll. It was the funniest thing ever because I'm here thinking I'm tough and whatever because I did karate as a kid and I did boxing and I did like all of these different things, but she ragdolls me and we end up developing a really strong friendship after that. So she tells me that one of her dreams is to have a podcast. I'm like, interesting. Two of my greatest friends are podcasters. Like, let me introduce you to them. So I introduce her to them. They start talking. They start forming a like a business relationship, whatever. And she comes back to me after a couple of months and is like, I want to start a podcast and I want you to join. And I'm like, why do you want me to join? Like, I don't, again, going back to that negative self-talk and that not believing in myself. I have nothing to say. I don't know how I'm going to be able to help you. Like, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm in school for my master's now in psychology still. So we start the podcast and things are booming, booming. Our podcast is growing. I start doing coaching because Alan, who at that point now is like, I'm paying him for coaching. He's like, you should be a coach. He's like, take what you know from psychology and apply it to coaching. So I'm coaching. My business partner, Amelia, now is coaching. Her and Alan get together. So now they're in a relationship and everything is growing and expanding and like everything is going so well. And we actually started the podcast during the pandemic. So like we start and the pandemic starts like a month later. So everything is going great and I'm growing and everything is going amazing. And I end up meeting someone. And I still had not healed that part of me that didn't feel loved, that didn't feel good enough, that felt as though I needed someone to fix me. That part was still there, even though I'm doing all of these things and I'm helping all these people and I'm coaching and we're doing the podcast, which is a self-development podcast and like business and whatnot. So I end up in a relationship with this girl And a month in, my parents find out and it was chaos, absolute chaos. Again, being in a strict Middle Eastern, old school, old fashioned Christian family, they're like, what do you mean you're gay? Like that? No. So it caused absolute chaos in my house and it got so bad that after a month of knowing this girl, I end up moving in with her. And my life like crashed and burned after that. The Like I wasn't showing up the way that I needed to for the podcast. I start losing myself. This relationship was insanely misaligned. But again, me not knowing better, I stayed there because, oh, someone loves me. I might as well stay. And it took me getting to the point where I, my business partner almost kicked me out and said, leave that I was finally able to like, it was like the, like the blinds were finally taken off. And it was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Like my life is, I'm ending up in the same cycle that I've been in my, like the, my entire life, I can't do this anymore. So I leave there. I leave the relationship and I move out on my own for the very first time. And ever since then, it's been about a year, and my life now has finally completely and radically transformed to where I'm living in my own place for the first time, and it's amazing our business is excelling. We have a 7-person global team now. We're doing all of these extraordinary things. I'm coaching people all over the world now and I'm working as a clinician as well on top of the coaching and everything that we're doing with the business. So long-winded, but that's kind of that's how I got here and now I am the COO And CFO of the company that my business partner and I, my business partner's name is Amelia, that she and I built called Evolve Ventures. And it's a podcast and we're also growing and expanding to be a global tech company.
1: That's amazing, and uh, yeah, I was going to get to Evolve Ventures, but that story yeah. in itself, by the way, I mean, um, fantastic, impeccable. I mean, one thing I'd like to just point out, I mean, for listeners, since this is an audio podcast, is I can see, like, from your body language, that you know you're cohesive. You have a very humble energy about you, and it's something that I think is, you know, humility is something that comes along the way. I mean, you're still very young, so I mean, ultimately, like the idea that this starts at like a young age, the trauma that you faced sort of shaped who you are. Um, you know, we're, we're all used to hearing quotes and successful people like, yeah, you know, like, you know, diamonds are only formed after a lot of yeah. like, you know, all of and that, you know, all those, all those, like, like you said, I think you went through the, the, the shapes, all sizes of it, uh, of, of types of trauma, but I'm just so, you know, glad that you're, you know out of it on the other side and and actually looking to help others um you know you have that you said you, you have that uh, cognitive behavioral de- therapy degree and you also are a clinical mental health counselor um, so i mean kudos to you to you know come out of it and say i want to help others in that uh, you know who faced that similar sort of ostracized treatment I want to get back to, you know, you you mentioned like growing up in the Middle Eastern household. I'm from an Indian household, so I can completely, you know, sort of very similar, very similar. I think what you're talking about is a clash of cultures, right, growing up. And whether it's a culture of being an immigrant or whether it's a culture of being a, a kid of an immigrant family, I think that's such a relatable um feeling of of not belonging to one set or the other Um, I often talk about the idea of third culture right like that you have to adapt to a third culture because the ones that you sort of are are brought into aren't necessarily fitting you in any way Um, so I think that's very very cool one of the things that you had written on your um Facebook page on Evolve Ventures was um the culture that you assimilate with is going to shape your your identity and how you live. Why don't you extrapolate on on that a little bit? I, I really I thought that quote was really uh, interesting.
2: Thank you. Um. Yeah. I, I this this directly ties into cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the type of psychology that I got my masters and um, my licensure under, and that's the tools and the technologies that, you know, I bring to Evolve Ventures that we're kind of building everything off of. So the topic that we're actually doing for this month is it's all about culture, right? Because June is pride month. As you said, we thought it would be important to not only talk about pride in the sense of like the LGBTQ community, but all culture and how culture shapes us and shapes who we are. You said that you're Indian, I'm Middle Eastern. It's very similar. And the culture that you grow up in, the culture that you're born into, it ultimately shapes you. Now, it doesn't matter what culture that is, whether you're born in Miami, Florida, or you're born in the example I typically give is like Saudi Arabia or Africa or um, Australia or wherever, where you're born, just that alone is going to completely, it's going to determine how you are in the world and who you are and the way you see the world and how your belief structures and everything about you is shaped just from the location in which you are born, let alone the the beliefs of that culture. The values of that culture, the the identity and the rules and the assumptions and the regulations about that culture. So, the way that CBT conceptualizes this is we go through life, and based on personality traits that we're inherently born with, and the experiences that we go through, the people that we're around. The things that we see, the messages that we hear, and then our personal interpretation of those things, we form an identity about ourself, about who we are, what we believe, what life is, and what the future is, and what the potential of the future is. And we also form an identity about ourselves and about the world at large. And It is through those belief structures and through that identity that our quality of life is shaped because based on those beliefs, based on the conceptualization that you develop and that you determine based on the circumstances that you go through, it completely shapes your life because it determines what you interpret, how you interpret information how that information stays with you based on certain factors and then what you think about it, how you feel and therefore what you do. Something that I have, I've done a few posts about it and we've talked about it on the show is this idea of the law of attraction, right? I'm sure you've heard about it. I'm sure your listeners have heard about it. It's, it sounds like this esoteric spiritual jargon, this like woo-woo thing that, oh, just think about what you want really, really hard and you'll get it. And it's not true, but there actually is a scientific backing to show that the law of attraction is real and it's called reciprocal determinism. And it's a fancy word, but it basically means there are personal factors about you so those factors that you take in where you're born the culture you're born into the messages of that culture the the beliefs that you determine the beliefs that you start to develop um the way you think about things your own personal personality traits whether you're born male female um sexual orientation all of these different things whatever right so we have personal factors then there are environmental factors so these are things out in the environment that occur. And then there are the situations that happen. Actually, I think I messed that up, but there's based actually give me one second. Cause I think I messed that up and I'm going to find the exact thing just so I can make sure that I get this correct.
1: No worries. No worries.
2: I'm going to refer to specifically to the post that I did. Okay. And then behavior. So personal factors, the things about us, our environment. So what's outside and then our own behavior. So what we actually do and these three things are in a constant loop with each other. So take yourself, take the situations that happen outside of you, and then your personal response to them. All of that, they're all working together to determine what happens outside of you. So I will give you an example, okay? Let's say you wake up one day and you're just in a crappy mood, right? You're like, I don't feel like doing it today. I don't want to do anything today. Like, I'm not having it. So that's a personal factor. You go out into the world and you're engaging With the world. And let's say someone cuts you off in traffic, right? Because you are already in that negative state, you are more, and then that situation happens. So, environment, you are more likely to have a certain set of behaviors. Some people might get angry. Some people might fight. Some people might freeze. Some people might whatever. But your personal factors, Mix that with the environment and then your behavior, you are going to cause something to happen. That something is going to respond back to you. So let's say you decide to get out of the car and do something to this person, their response is going to be based on those three things what you were experiencing. What happened and then what you did. That's the law of attraction in a nutshell. There's a scientific backing behind it. So I'll use a different example. Have you ever met someone who keeps ending up in the same type of relationship? over and over and over again it's like they end up with the same type of person and they're like why does this keep happening to me why do all,
1: i i think we all know somebody like that 100 percent.
2: this is exactly why because we have a set of beliefs about ourselves, about what's possible for us our likes our dislikes and we're more likely to search for things that fit that pattern that fit that mold. So that is who we are. We're more likely to go out in environments where that type of person is likely to be and to do things that are likely to attract that kind of person to us. And then we're more likely to end up in a relationship again with that same type of person because you're following this pattern. And Most of us are acting on these unconscious patterns, these unconscious beliefs, these unconscious thoughts and feelings and ways of being that are causing our life to follow this reciprocal, like negative feedback loop, which is why so many people keep ending up with their life being the same exact way over and over again. And they're like, nothing is changing. I like, why am I so miserable? Why is my life like this? And it's because of all of these unconscious patterns that we're following over and over and over again. And so how does that relate to culture to what you said? Well, our culture shapes those initial beliefs that we develop Those personal factors, not the internal ones that we're born with, like temperament, for example, right? Like that's your personality. You're born with that. But I'm talking about the way that culture shapes you. So being Middle Eastern, and I'm sure Indian culture is very similar. They have very strict beliefs about the way you're supposed to be. Men are supposed to be one way. Women are supposed to be another. You're the child. You are supposed to act in certain ways, They're very shame-based cultures. So you're guilted and shamed from a very young age to behave in certain ways, to do certain things, not to do certain things, to believe certain things. And that shapes what you believe and what you do and what you think and how you feel. And so when we are in these cultures that are shaping us and shaping our identity, we act out into the world with those beliefs and that way of being. And the world responds back to us with that. It's this, it's this constant relationship where I'm acting, I'm doing things, and the world is going to respond. And that's how the law of attraction works. And this is happening every single day without us even knowing it.
1: I, I'm 100% a believer in what everything you said, and it's it's something that I think from a, you know, layman's nomenclature is kind of like, uh, you know, willing things into existence, right, like how exactly. we, kind of, we want to talk about it, you know, culture is such a complex uh, topic that I, I find it so fascinating, right, like, as you mentioned, um, you know, every culture that you have pride in, like let's say, you know, I'm proud of Indian culture, I'm proud of Canadian culture, I'm living in Canada right now. I feel like you you have to be critical of everything and still have pride in it, right? In some mm-hmm. sense of, of of the word. But you can't be proud without being critical of it. And I think there is like that point of critical um, self-awareness that some people drive. And I personally identify with that a lot, right? Like the how do you get to progress if you can't understand you know the weaknesses of the foundation Mm -hmm. um so i think that's a really interesting thing you know it, it really made me think what you said was you know since we're following these paths and and of course it's easy you know it not say easy but some people can break that mold like yourself um it makes me wonder like you know when people and listeners hear this you know are they gonna think is there such a thing as free will or is this like kind of like a mixture of genetics, behavior, and situation, like you said, and it's just, you know, predetermined and, and, you know, where does effort come in? Where does that like determination from within uh, play a role?
2: The only reason I was able to change my life around was because of the action that I put into changing it. So from a very young age, I Our brains adapt and learn to the situations that we're in, and it causes us to form these habits and these patterns of being. And if you don't become conscious of it, it can feel like you're kind of just running on a hamster wheel where nothing is changing and you're following the same patterns and doing the same thing over and over again with no change and eventually ending up very unhappy, which is unfortunately what happens with most people. That's why most people are searching for the next vacation or the next Instagram post or the next thing to make them feel something because we're caught in these negative feedback loops that are just perpetuating a similar cycle over time. And you're, I I said this specifically on the show too. It is not your fault that you were born into a certain culture with a certain set of beliefs. And it's not your fault. You were conditioned the way that you were, but it is your responsibility to go about modifying that and working on it and changing it and learning the skills and the tools to overcome that conditioning you know take i'll give you i'll give you a very simple example let's say that you grew up and your family's overweight right let's say your family's obese i'll even use that to an extreme okay everyone in your family is obese so you're brought up in a culture of overeating of using food as a coping mechanism of not caring about your health or not worrying about your health, right? That's conditioned. So you're taught from a very young age, how to do something, how to eat, how to behave in that fashion, right? So it it is not your fault. You were born into that, but as you grow up, as you become older, as you start developing your own understanding of the world and start developing autonomy in your own sense of self, you have the capability to recognize and understand that something needs to change, that something can change, that something can be different. I think most people know when something isn't right because they know how they feel. Most of us understand when we're not in something that's aligned because we can feel it. Like we in our in every essence of our being, we truly can feel it. The thing that keeps people back is that belief. The belief that they can't overcome it, the belief that they can't do it, the belief that things can't happen for them. And that's what keeps them stuck. It's not free will that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the belief that you have the capability or the self-efficacy to be able to do it. So there's two components of self-efficacy, the belief that you can do the thing and the belief that it'll get you the outcome that you're looking for. So you might believe, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can go on a diet. I can do that. But do you believe that it'll get you the outcome? Do you believe that doing this work every single day will actually get you what you're looking for or the opposite? Do you know in your heart that doing this thing will get you that body that you want, will get you healthier, will get you fitter? But do you not believe that you are capable of doing it? And this is where most people get stuck. They don't believe they can do it. They fundamentally believe in their core that they're not good enough or that they're not going to be loved or that the future is hopeless. So why try? If you take any person, any person has some sort of belief falling under those three categories. And that's how CBT conceptualizes it. It's a feeling of worthlessness, a feeling of unlovability, and a feeling of hopelessness. Now, some people don't experience that. Some people are on the opposite end. Some people know within their heart that they have worth, that they are good enough. In one area or another. Some people believe that they are loved and that they can be loved and that they're deserving of it and that there is hope for the future. Unfortunately, the majority of people don't follow under that. They fall under the category of not, of not feeling good enough in one way or another, and not feeling loved or lovable, either by friends, or by family, or by partners, or by whoever or they don't have hope. There's no hope for the future. And this is why so many people stay stuck in patterns over and over and don't change because they don't believe that they can overcome those things that are anchors holding them down. And I experienced that for the longest time which is why I kept ending up in these really traumatic relationships over and over and over again with people who went out of their way to try to change me and to get me to believe that I wasn't good enough unless they were there. And I believed them because I didn't believe I was good enough. I didn't believe I was capable of being loved. I didn't believe that there was hope for me to have a true love or whatever in the future, because I had never seen it in my past. I never knew what that was. I didn't know what being loved for who you are was like, was the only three people that I at that point believed truly loved me for who I was, was Alan, my mentor, Kevin, my mentor and Amelia. And it took extraordinary pain of being in that final relationship and us getting a dog together and me literally giving up that dog, the dog that like I was raising and I did everything for and having to give her up so that I could leave. It took me losing, almost losing my business. It took me losing my family and all of these different things, all of these horrible pains to finally get me to learn the lesson that someone else is not going to be able to give me love until i have it within myself. But like i was successful, like i was doing all these things, i had all these clients, i had this business, i had all of this stuff, all of the externals that people want and yet inside i still didn't feel loved. I still didn't feel good enough. And so i went searching for it. And i got it, right? Air quotes for a short period of time until I until I realized, oh my God, I'm in this pattern again. How did I end up back here? And it was because those beliefs were still running me, those unconscious beliefs that I held about not being good enough, not being loved or lovable, and that the future was hopeless.
1: I think it's, it's such a powerful uh, lesson that what you just taught, mentioned right now is, you know, when we get into repetitive motions and relationships, that in, in itself is like a drug, right? Like that in itself is that uh, serotonin hit that we need to sometimes feel like, hey, you know, I'm in the moment, this is the right thing. In the moment, it feels yeah. right. Like you, like you discussed, like, you know, it, it's that loop, that feedback loop that we're so stuck in. Um, And to really, I think, bring oneself out of that loop, I think we can forget like that free will versus, versus determination side of things, right? Like you were talking about your determination, but I think one thing that was so characteristic of your story is, Uh, the part about feeling uh, a lack of love and I think it's so relatable for everybody you know at some point either that worthlessness or the lack of love and that's such a simple foundation you know like you look at animals out there and you talked about your dog and at the time too but like look at animals out there they're not feeling that because you know like I was out for a walk and I see a mother goose just looking after her young and it's not like she's staring at people like I'm gonna like kill you if you kind of like cross yeah. me you know what I mean and I'm like I'm sure you will right like we're all yeah. you know there's no there's that, l- that level of respect that we have for nature and it, it it's something that we don't give ourselves often enough it, yeah. is that we are part of nature right as much as we believe that we're above it uh, or can out intellectualize nature it, it's still in our brains and yeah and, uh, and a very much a part of us. So, you know, I think people who have like that savior complex, I'm going to be the one to save you. That's a definite red flag. Um, but it's something that was that me. Worked-
2: <laughs> Every relationship, I'm like, I'm going to save this person. And when I save them, they're going to finally love me. And I kept ending up in relationships with people who needed to be saved. They needed a lot of help. Every single one of them had mental health issues. And it's because that's what I was looking for, because I needed to feel good enough. And if I helped you and if I fixed you, then you would love me.
1: We and it's, have- like, it's, it's like that need, right? Like, I feel like we've, yeah. been, we've put that into the media out there, right? Everybody saves everybody. And there's a, there's a heartwarming story of like, I'm alive because of this person. But I think something that's so key from your experience, too, is is the fact that you, sometimes all you need is a small circle. You don't need that Instagram photo with like your 15 best friends who are all like, you know, cheering for you. And, yeah. and of course you can get that, but just to say that it's it's about the quality of your relationships, 100%. And it's,
2: it starts with the quality of the relationship within yourself. I, I am, I don't know if it was grace or divine intervention or God or whatever that brought first Kevin and then Alan and Amelia into my life, but something brought them into my life. And because of them being a part of my life, having that mentorship, having people who far exceeded me, people to guide me and to help me I was able to change. I was able to change who I am and the way that I see myself and the way that I interact with the world. And because of that, because of having those key people in my life as mentors and spending thousands of dollars on coaching and on seminars and on books and on all of these different sources so that I could learn and grow, I'm now able to do that for other people. Someone did it for me and I sought out the resources so that I could change and so that I could grow and so that I could be, so that I actually could help people and not, pr- not predict and determine my worth based on saving someone so they love me. Because like I'm finally at a point where I love me. And because of that, then I can give to others and my worth isn't determined by that.
1: Some of the best uh, advice that I've sort of gotten is um, around how to sort of seek mentorship. And mm-hmm. I think some of the the work that you're sort of doing and some of the the worth that you felt for yourself was around finding mentors. What's your advice to people who are like, hey, you know, I just don't know how to reach out. I'm feeling stuck. Like you said, there's a sense of worthlessness or lack of love or maybe just a lack of motivation. How do you mm-hmm. reach out for mentorship? <clears throat>
2: I, with, with social media In all honesty, like social media has its detriments, but there are some extraordinary people out there. Most of us have one person we look up to, like at least one, like some celebrity or some whatever. If you can't find a direct mentor, look to someone who has what you want and see if you can find some clues as to what they did and replicate that like tony robbins he he is he adamantly talks about the way that he acquired his success was through modeling so when we when we grow up we are modeled certain behavior right and that's how we are conditioned find someone who has what you want and model them use that innate learning that we have built within us and use it to learn something else that's what I did. I, I had these three incredible people that I, that came into my life and that I paid all of them for coaching. And then Amelia and I became business partners. Um, but I, I still do coaching with Kevin and Alan. I also have another mentor that's teaching me, um, books, groups on social media that you can, that you can join, YouTube videos. If you type in personal development about whatever topic it is that you want to get better at, you can find millions of videos. Start there. Find a teacher who you you like, like a, like at school or a friend who like always gives you good advice or there's, there's a, or podcasts, Or movies or whatever, you know, you can find inspiration anywhere. I think so many of us get stuck on, well, I don't have this one specific thing. And if it's not this one specific thing, then I can't do it. And again, that's a limiting belief that comes in. Well, what can you do? Look to a book, look to a movie, go listen to podcasts. There's millions of podcasts out there. Join a group there's 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 so many resources out there available and all it takes is you just making the effort and just looking for it
1: yeah and it's something that i can find in your story as well is the the ability to find the kinship the community in the opportunities I think that were given to you right um 100% and and not being afraid to squander it I think is like another thing is we're also afraid of of ruining something that's good
2: sometimes Mm -hmm.
1: that comes our way is like will I ruin this you know will I be able to handle it um and, and part of our our brains are addicted to that kind of suffering you know like that that feedback loop so I think, you know, what, uh, you know, one question I had for you is like, how much of a role did your inner voice play? Because our inner voices are probably the most, you know, harshest critics of us, but at the same time, they can sort of, you know, give us the most bloated self-confidence, right? What is like that humble balance? Is it curiosity? Because you're talking about you being curious and finding different sources, you're learning on your own, you're an autodidact. So how is it that somebody can just, you know, find that middle ground between overly critical or overly self-confident.
2: In all honesty, my inner critic was a monster to me and it still is today. I mean, I would be institutionalized if like, if if you could broadcast some of the things that I think it's like, And that's the majority of us though. Like if you broadcasted the things that we think to ourselves, we would all be put in a hospital because we say the most horrific things to ourselves on a daily basis. And anyone who has bolstering self-confidence, it almost always is a product of shame. And they just learned to puffer fish, right. To protect themselves.
1: Peacocking. Yeah,
2: exactly. Peacocking. I, like I said, I was, I never felt good enough ever, not as a kid, not as a teenager, not now as an adult. And it was crippling, absolutely crippling, which is why I ended up in all of the negative and harmful situations that I was in as a child and as an adult. But it was through learning about myself and taking the time and going to therapy and doing coaching and finding a vision for my life that I was able to take that voice that told me I wasn't good enough and put in the work every day to basically prove that voice wrong. Everything that I do every day, it genuinely, it is because I love helping people but it's also to prove that voice wrong. I want to be extraordinary and help people because I don't feel good enough. So I'm going to put in extra effort. I'm going to put in extra work. I'm going to go get another mentor who I really believe is going to be able to help me to like combat that thought. So I took my greatest pain and now I use it to benefit me and in CBT, that's called cognitive restructuring. So we are doing the work to restructure the way that you are thinking about yourself. And that's how you shift a belief. So I took this belief that I'm worthless and I'm not good enough and I can't do anything and I'll never achieve anything. And I'm letting my actions prove otherwise. And everyone has the ability to do this. Everybody. Not everyone is going to be Kobe Bryant, for example, right? For those, for anyone who knows who that is, the famous basketball player who died a few years ago, like very tragically. Um, and not everybody needs to be, but we can be our own version of excellent in whatever it is that we want. Do you want to be the best mom? Awesome. Do you want to be the greatest dad? Awesome. Do you want to be? an incredible member of your community and of your church or your mosque or your synagogue or whatever. Awesome. That's awesome. What would you have to believe in order to do that? What would you have to do in order to do that? And start slowly, start doing one thing to get you a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. That's what I did. I didn't take these grand leaps into becoming the person that I am. It took me like 10 years of effort to be where I am now. And I'm nowhere close to the woman that I want to be. But I'm going to keep doing it every single day until I get there. And so that I can help more people and be there for more people and be a voice for people who feel like they don't have a voice And to show people that, like, Jesus, if I could do it, so can you. Because if I was able to do all the stuff that I've been able to do, genuinely anybody can.
1: I think that's, again, such a a great positive message. And I think that's something that I agree with, too, is, like, as long as you're a net positive to the people around you, right? Like, no matter what your ambitions are, it could be low, high, whatever, right? Don't compare yourself to others, and yeah we are we're not all prodigies like Kobe Bryant but I'll, I'll, at the end of the day you know like it's your legacy that speaks for you right mm-hmm. um and the people around you so um very very great messages i had such a great time talking to you um i just wanted to say a couple of things like you know not only was that very helpful for listeners to understand that you yourself are a work in progress but everybody's a work in progress right Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins is a work in progress and you know articulating it clearly and thinking about it with focus is really something that's useful and I I can tell that when the way you're talking you're thinking about it very clearly so uh, I hope the listeners picked up on that too Um, Is there a final message you'd like to leave uh, the listeners with a plug on whatever you're working on uh, or anything in specific?
2: Um, Firstly, thank you so much for having me. This was, this was great. And I hope that I was able to do service to, you know, you and to your listeners. Um, I think the final message that I will say is there is truly nothing holding you back except your belief. Your belief is the only thing stopping you from having and being and doing anything that you want and changing those beliefs. I know it feels impossible, but I promise you that's not true. You can change your beliefs and I am the proof of it. So that is my final message. And the only thing that I will plug away is um, Evolve Ventures. You know, we're, we're on every platform you can listen to us anywhere um we have these free live events that we host every month we do these free ig lives that we do every friday um we have a lot of you know free content that we're putting out there because we want to serve and we really want to help people so um just go follow go follow of all ventures
1: amazing thanks so much bianca take care
2: thank you so much take care You are more than your body. You are a spirit, temporarily experiencing this physical reality. Would you like to have this life-changing realization through first-hand experience? Would you like to learn how to lucid dream and take full control over your dreams and manifest any experience that you desire? Or learn astral projection to have out-of-body experiences in higher dimensions and attain profound spiritual knowledge and insight? Would you like to read about real encounters with aliens, shadow people, ghosts, angels, deities, the higher self, and other spiritual beings? If so, head over to Amazon.com and pick up the book Astral Projection and Lucid Dreaming, Spiritual Revelations and Out-of-Body Experiences in Higher Dimensions by author Vincent Fields. Discover who you truly are.